so they're like able to like produce all these these beautiful like horns and potatoes and yeah it's crazy so wow. it's really a real cool. niche market super yeah. niche but super cool yeah that is cool yeah it's it's also connected to this to the lesson that we're going to learn so i totally knew that I hopefully <laughs> we're going to see I how know. everything we're going to we're going to see at the end how everything um, comes together it's the beauty of of the zohar and hasidic philosophy that everything comes together everything clicks and everything makes sense okay we are starting and finishing we're starting the last class about the Kabbalah of character so if you've been here in the past classes um, you'll know that what we explore at this course even if you haven't been you're still on time because now this is like the the climax of all the teaching of all the all everything we learned it's applicable and climaxes here so we were learning according to the Zohar how to become a better person there's plenty of self-development books out there but we are learning in the past two months we're learning what the Zohar has to say about character development so we mentioned that we start with the starting point was that the idea that what the Torah teaches us that the man was created in God's image now how what, what that image looks like so Kabbalah teaches us that that image looks something like this and I've seen this image in the past I'm going to pass this down there for those who haven't had a chance to see it um, but what it basically is it's not about the design it really is about the concepts each one of this um, circles are basically a different concept a different power that God has in himself and that power and those powers are the same ones that God created the human being so we learned in the past classes we explored each one of the powers at least on a basic level and understanding better the power I want every single one of those powers so then we're able to apply it for for our daily life and become a better person so now we are this class we are exploring the last power on the bottom the power all the way at the bottom and that's the power of malchut or malchus and we're going to see how that applies according to kabbalah and how that applies to according in, in our daily lives before we before i continue it's a story with the rabbi who got his driveway um, just paved He's heard the story in the past, but it's probably did. They get, he got this uh, the, the driveway, the driveway concrete. They they paved the whole driveway with concrete, and you know what happens always two hours after the work, the the concrete is laid down. So the kids in the neighborhood, you know, all the names and you know all circles and hearts and hashtags. So all the kids starting doing all the you know leaving messages in the concrete. And so the rabbi sees that from the window and he runs out of his house and starts screaming to the kids, how dare you, you kids, you don't have any respect, such a chutzpah you guys are doing, how come you guys are He's like berating the kids. So the wife comes out and is like, just tell me something, you're always preaching, you're always telling the synagogue how the children are the next generation and we need to encourage them, we need to take care of them, we need to be kind to them and nice to them. Now you're just like 
going after them. So I said, look, I love the kids in the abstract, not in the concrete. <laughs> Don't we all? Like concretely concrete. Um, so we're going to learn this class. It's going to be about the concrete. It's going to be about applying. And that's one of the characteristics of Malchus. Malchus itself is like the, the total sum of all of the powers. It's in the middle power. It's in the middle lane or in the middle column. And as we mentioned before with Dat or with Tiferet or Yesod, that every one of the middle powers are like a total sum of the powers above it. So Malchus is basically the total sum of all of the powers above, um, or all of the powers of, the, of, 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 of a person. And as well, Malchus is, regarding Hashem, regarding God, is the total sum of what God is about. Okay, let's start page number, page number... 203. Emily Dickinson wrote, A word is dead when it is said, some say. I say it just begins to live that day. In this lesson, we consider the role of speech and action upon the human psyche. From where do they get their energy? What remains after the words have been spoken and the actions completed? What is the relationship of speech and action to the thoughts and emotions that prompted them? Once a word is spoken and act completed, have we reached the end of the line, or do we complete a circle and go back to the beginning? Kabbalists say the end is rooted in the beginning, and the beginning is rooted in the end. This is the secret of the final Sefirah Malchut. Yeah, this is a thought that we learned, that we saw in, in the previous classes as well, that everything is rooted, the, the, the end is rooted in the beginning. We're going to see more how that is, or how that takes place regarding Malchus. So, before we start, I want to ask you a question, and that is, what do you guys see here? Okay. What's recording? Okay. Playing pause button. Okay. Oh. It's not like really tricky, so it's like pretty simple. What do you guys see? Lines. Lines. Oh, phone. Phone. Great. Okay. Let's do, let's do, leave this on the side. Malchus is the total sum. Malchus is the way that whatever is happening or whatever happened before prior to it expresses itself. No one mentioned or no one said that they saw a screen, right? So lines, a timer, voice recording, it's all true. It's not, it's not wrong. But for some reason, no one said, well, I'm seeing a screen over there. And the reason for that is because the objective of this screen is not so much the screen for itself, but is what the screen is able to display or what the screen is able to show and able to interact with the user. So Malchus has, I came up with this analogy, so it might be totally off, but Malchus has, I think, the same idea. The Malchus, although it doesn't have any specific power, we learned in the previous class about chesed. Chesed is all about kindness. You know, and that's the power of kindness and how that translates in our lives. Then we learned about gvuda. We learned about uh, discipline and how discipline expresses in our life. But then we come to Malchus, and Malchus doesn't have a specific power. Malchus is like the screen that shows us all everything that's happening inside. 
Without a screen, I would not have a timer. I would have any lines. I would have a, none of that will happen. So ultimately, the way that everything reflects, in other words, Malthus doesn't have anything, but at the same time, it has everything. So a screen, a screen doesn't have any of the applications or any of the software, but at the same time, the screen has all of them because it has the ability to be able to be a conduit and to be transmit what's happening before. So this will give us a little understanding in the quote in text number one in page 204 about, um, what, um, about what the Zohar has to say about Malchus. Um, Julia, want to read? Sure. Malchus has nothing of its own. That's what the Zohar says. Malchus has nothing of its own. Malchus has no specific power. Malchus has no specific or individual characteristic. Rather, Malchus is like this screen, is like a total sum of, of all the powers that went above it. It has nothing and everything at the same time. Correct. Now, we're going to see later how that, that ability to, from one end, to, to have that personality, to that type of personality, I'm just going to leave it for, yeah, I'm not going to jump ahead. Okay, we also see the same aspect when it comes to the day of Shabbos. Each one of the weekdays represent another, um, another emotive power. Starting from Chesed, we have all the way down to Malchus, we have seven, emo- seven powers. We have the Chesed, Gvura, Tiferes, Netzachod, Yesod, and Malchus. So Chesed is day number one, um, Gvura is day number two, Tiferes is day number three, and actually in creation, we're not going to get into that, but in creation, each one of the items that were created, so it correspond to each one of these powers, to each one of the, of the specific powers. Um, for example, the division with the waters and the division in started in day number two, which is discipline. It's all about division, it's all about limits, it's all about gvudo. And Chesed, the first day, the creation started. It's all about kindness. When God created the world, there was no reason for him to, to, to create a world, but nevertheless, out of his kindness, he created the world. So each one of these powers are a result of the creation that happened in each one of those days. When it comes to Shabbos, what is Shabbos? Shabbos represents, Shabbos is the seventh day, Shabbos represents the power of Malchus as well. Why? Because the whole week, what's the difference between Shabbos and the rest of the week? The rest, the the whole week we are doing things, we are focused on, on specific action items. Some people are actuarians, some people are into, into film, marketing, whatever it is, the specific thing that people are doing and they're occupied with. But then Shabbos comes along, and Shabbos is, is not it, a specific task that needs to be done. Shabbos is a day in which the whole experience of Shabbos is about channeling. And what I mean with that is that Shabbos is a day where we connect with ourselves. We say it in the Kiddush, and, and each Friday we say it, and we read in Torah as well, read, Kibo Shabbat Va'inafash. Inafash, or nofesh in Hebrew, means rested or, 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 or vacation, nofesh. But the, the word inafash, which is describing what happens in Shabbat, has a deeper meaning, and that is nefesh. Nefesh means a soul, person's soul. The whole point, or the whole... Um, experience of Shabbat is that it needs to be a 
soul experience. It's when we stop focusing on things and we start focusing on us and who we are. Not in something, but in someone. And that someone is us. That's that's experience of Shabbos. And, and to be able to channel everything we did throughout the week and bringing it, or, or in other words, bringing meaning, everything we did throughout the week was not only to, for the purpose of making money, but even the purpose of making money needs to be for a higher purpose. That is the ability to channel all the work we did and I'm putting it or channeling it on a, on a godly, on a solely matter. And that is the difference between Shabbos. Shabbos is we focus on the soul, on who we are, as opposed to the weekday that we focus on, uh, on the work or things that we do. And, and we're going to see in t- text number two, now that is exactly what, the, the, that is exactly what someone who experiences a proper Shabbos needs to have the prior days preceding it. Text number two. Um, yeah. Julia, I want to uh, one who toils prior to the Sabbath will eat on the Sabbath. So the ha- there are days that are prior to the Shabbos. So then in Shabbos, you're able to experience. In other words, someone who prepared properly to the day of Shabbos will be able to enjoy the Shabbos. Shabbos is the day that channels the preparations and brings it into higher dimension and higher meaning. That is the ability of Malchus. That's the power of Malchus. Shabbos doesn't really have a specific task. The task of Shabbos is to be or to be able to channel. And that's, when, that's the, the theme that we're going to see in Malchus, starting from the Kabbalah of it, to all the way to, to the practicality of it and to our lives. We're going to see that Malchus is not about Malchus itself, but is rather how it channels all the powers that precede or all the work that preceded. So we're going to see in text number three, page 205, we're going to see that this, um, this power of Malchus was embodied by our matriarch, Rachel, or Rachel. It says, the Torah tells us that Jacob, before he passed away, so Jacob passed away in Egypt while his son Joseph was the viroi, was the second in command to the Egyptian empire. And when Jacob, when Jacob passed away, he, summoned, he called his, his, his son and asked them to, to swear to him that he's not going to be buried in Egypt. He's actually going to be buried in the land of Israel, in Marat HaMachpelah, in Hebron, in the, in, in, the, in the tomb of, of, together with Adam and Eve and Abraham and all the other forefathers. And Jacob excuses himself to Joseph for the fact that he didn't bury his mother, Rachel, over there as well. And says, like, I know that you have, I know that you have um, um, holding, not holding grudge, but I know that you still have something on your mind regarding the fact and when Rachel passed away, I didn't even bother to go into the land of Israel according to the, to the, the, the Bible um, uh, limits. And, I, and she was buried outside of it, outside of the land of Israel, or outside of, of, of even the, the Marat HaMachpelah. But nevertheless, I did it for a reason. What was the reason? And the reason is because Rachel is going to take care of, 
was going to be an advocate for the Jews when eventually the temple was going to be destroyed and the Jews were going to be exiled from the land of Israel. And on their way out from the land of Israel, they were going to pass by, not Marat not by Hebron, by... Um, Um, where she buried? She buried in Bethlehem. Yeah, I think she's buried in Bethlehem. Um, they're going to pass by the by the caver, by the tomb of, of our matriarch Rachel, and she's going to be the one praying for the Jewish people. She's going to be the one advocating on top for the Jewish people. That embodiment, someone who gives up their 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 place of bur- the, the burial um, uh, space for her children, meaning future generations who are coming thousands of years later, and on the account of their own sins, meaning the Jewish people were exiled because, of, because they sinned, not because Rachel sinned. Nevertheless, this ability of not really being focused on oneself, but being a channel for something else, being a channel, being in service, we call that as well, being in service for someone else, that is the real embodiment of Malchus. And that is what Rachel, our mentor Rachel, teaches us. So we can see in text number three, the conversation that Jacob had with Joseph. Uh, Page 205. I buried her there. I did not carry her even to Bethlehem to bring her into the land of Israel. I know that you have it in your heart against me. But know that God's command, I buried her there, so that she might, so that she might be of aid to her children when Nebuzaradan exiled them, and they passed by there. Then Rachel would come out upon her grave, crying and beseeching for mercy on their behalf, as it is stated, a voice is heard on high, and the Holy One, blessed be he, answers her. There is reward for your work, and your children will return to their own border. So, according to this, is Malchus a positive thing or a negative thing? Do you think like it's uh, we need to have pity on Malchus, or Malchus is something to be proud of? What does it look like? I would say it's almost like taking a step back and seeing the bigger picture for what it is, rather than being so focused on like the specifics. Which I would say that's a positive thing. Okay. And that's really in line with what the Zohar says. So we're going to see in text number four. King David. Oh, I forgot to mention that Malchus, the translation of Malchus is kingship. Like a melech. It's a melech. Melech is a king. David HaMelech. David the king. The reason for it, for, for kingship being considered Malchus, is because a king is a, the total sum of the nation. Nowadays, with, with democracies and dictatorships, it's like hard to, to see that concept. But apparently, back in the days, I mean, according to the Torah, the way that a king came to be elected, a, came, a king came... The position of a king was by election, 
the people elected a king, or more specifically, the prophet appointed a king to rule over the, over the nation. But the, but and and once he was the king, so then the nation was totally in his command. He was totally he had total power over the nation. Not in a manipulative way, but in a way of channeling. And that's that. This is where again Malchus comes into, in the the channel part of it comes into play. The king at the end of the day is there's a concept that I, you cannot be a king over. You cannot be, be a king without a nation. There's no kings with, without a nation. It needs to be a nation that elects a king. So a king, it's not about a specific qualities that you have. Because if it was about the specific qualities, you should be a king by yourself. Anyone who has this quality should be a king. But the, the qualities of a king is the fact that it's the total sum of a nation, of this channeling the power of a nation into one single person, one single entity. So David Amelech, he was the one who embodied the idea of Malchus as well. He was the one who transmitted the most, um, or experienced in a first person, in his character, the idea of Malchus of being able to channel the will over the, the Jewish people. So what does he write in the Psalms? Text number four. Um, Zach, you want to read? Yes. <clears throat> The stone that was scorned by the builders has become the foundation stone. Regarding the building of the temple, there's a story that they, they planned it out, the whole entire structure of the building, and the building was, the stones were not cut through, through, um, through any metal. Metal was not allowed to touch any of the process of the construction of the, of the sanctuary. The reason for that is because the, the temple was built, I mean, specifically the, the altar was built to bring peace and life, and metal is mainly used for destruction and death. So the, uh, 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 the, the temple that was the house of God should not be used any of the, should not benefit from any of the metal. And there's a whole story the Talmud tells how they actually cut the stones and, and how they build the temple. But at one point in the building process, the builders had one this, this stone that was like weirdly shaped. And building, you know, they needed like square, you could see it today, they needed like square specific measurements stones. And this stone was, um, had, uh, was weird shaped, so they, they cast it aside. They continue building, and then when they're finishing the building, you know, and suddenly they, they bring the walls together, they realize that there is like this space missing, but it's not big enough for a, for a regular stone, but it's too small for a, for a small stone, and they were trying to figure it out until they realize, oh, that stone that we left behind, that we cast it aside, it will just fit perfectly here. And then says that they took that stone and perfectly fit and closed up the, the gap or, or finished the, the building of the, of the walls. This is not a story, but this is an idea. And the Kabbalah, the, the Kabbalist, they explain that this is referring to Malchus. This is referring to this power they were mentioning, the powering of channel, to be able to channel something, is that at the beginning, or mainly at the beginning, in the process of like, uh, in the process of looking at each individual 
of, of the soul powers, you see Malchus, you see the power of, of, of kingship, of the power of channeling, and there's no really any substance to it. So you cast it aside. There's no really any you know, features, there's no, nothing exciting about it. Suddenly you finish building, you bring all the features, all the powers together, then you realize that you know, without the screen, none of the features of the phone could be useful. And that was, that, that's when they realized that you know, the, the ability to be of a channel, the ability of, to be of service, although might not, might not be about the person, it might not be about the ego, it might, not, ego it might not be about any specific character trait that he has that makes him wow, but nevertheless, none of in the person, none of his character traits or, or none of the ideas in, of the previous powers are going to be useful if we don't have this ability and this concept to be able to be channeled and to be able to be of service. This is what the Kabbalists are saying regarding the, the Svirat HaMalchus, regarding this power of, of channeling. That it was casted at the beginning, but now we see the importance of it. And we see in text number five, um, from our Rabbi in one of these discourses, the way he um, defines the ability of the power of Malchus. Yeah. Jenny, want to read text number five? The primary function of Malchut is revelation. In addition, the aspect of Malchut of each of the spheros is the capacity of that sphero to become revealed. So we have the... It's dark time now, correct? And the question is, if you look up, is there any light in the space? Any, any uh, uh, um, astrologos? What do you say, astrologos? Astrologos? Stars? Like, uh... yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there any, any light in space? Yeah. Expand. Um, I mean, you can see stars from millions of light years away. There, that that doesn't disappear once you're up in space. Isn't everything in space? But is is there light? Is there light now in space? Well, everything. We're in space. What? No, but specifically light. Now we see over here in this room, it's light. We look up to the sky. Is there light over there, or there is no light? There is light. There is. Like stars and sun and moon. Right. So there is light in space. But if we don't have, if the light cannot reflect in anything, then it's still dark. What I mean with that is we see this, we see the moon. We go out, we see the moon, we see the stars, all these things that give us light. Where do they get light from? The sun. Sun. They don't have natural light. They're just a reflection of the sun. So what basically happens is that there is light in space. But the, the lack of any surface where the light can bounce off makes the appearance of darkness. So that's why the moon... The moon is this ability of bouncing off. That you know, the moon doesn't have light for itself. It's not natural, naturally something that 
gives off light. But nevertheless, the moon has the ability to reflect the light of the sun onto the earth. So sometimes, and this is the, this is the, the again, this idea of channeling. What we're trying to do here is, in one, in one class, to see the, the idea of Malchus is very extensive and it's, it's very, not complex, but it's, it's, it, it, it is also complex. So we're going to try to, like, to see the most angles in order to understand what Malchus is about. Malchus also is compared to the moon. Also the Jewish people are compared to the moon. Because we all have that same characteristic. Jewish people are on the earth, as well as all humans, but Jewish people in a more um, accentuated way, in a more focused way, is we are here to be of channel. We're here to be of service. It's not about th- us as human beings that makes us great, but is us about people who could accomplish things that were entrusted or empowered to us, of course, by Hashem, by the Torah. That's what makes us great. It's the channeling aspect that we have. The moon, the moon is great, or the moon is, you know, it's, it's of service to the world because it's able to reflect or to bounce back that light that receives from the sun. And going back to the, going back to the space, you could have all the, sun, all the light could be shining through space, but there's nothing to bounce back, so then the light, light is worthless. And that's the primary characteristic that Malthus has, the ability to reveal, the ability to bring about, either in the way of, of, of reflection or in the way of channeling. We're going to see all these aspects a little bit more in the continuation, but this is also the idea of, of Shabbos. Shabbos channels the energy of the entire week and gives it us in a much deeper and meaningful way. As we see on text number six, number six, wow, um, who's reading? Um, Stella, want to read? Yes. <clears throat> All the days of the week are blessed by the Sabbath. And text number seven as well. The Holy One desired an abode for himself in the lower worlds. Shabbos has, or Malchus, as of now, we spoke about the ability to receive like the moon, and, but also to be of channel. And, sorry, before we spoke about Shabbos, of how it receives, or how is the total sum of the whole week. We saw how Shabbos, if, you know, someone who works throughout the week, so then is able to, um, to have a more meaningful, brings meaning to the whole week. Now we're going to see that Shabbos has also the ability to channel not only to the previous week, but also to the week that is following. And all of the, all the week that is following it is blessed from Shabbos as well, because Shabbos is the, this whole idea of being able to channel, as we mentioned before. When it comes to Malchus, and before continuing text number seven, when it comes to the power of channeling, 
although in the chart is located where? Is located the furthest from the top. Nevertheless, it's the closest to the top as well. And as we mentioned in the previous class, you want to build a house. You have a desire to build a house. What happens after that? After that, you first step of building a house is getting a contractor or, or doing the design. And after the design comes a contractor, material search, and the timelines, and you know, finding a place. There's all of these things that we do in order to build a house. So if you ask what came first, what is first? The, the, the designing of the house or the actual house? What would you say? Designing. Okay. Now, everything in, 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 in Judaism has like another question. When you, may, when you say first, is it first in time or first in priority? So, although in priority, and in other words, where does your will, when is your will satisfied? Once you have the house built. Then you could say, okay, I'm enjoying my house. But what is closer to the will is the designing. In other words, the first step, and right after the will, right, right after you want to have a house, first thing you do is start thinking about the design of the house. So although it might be closer to the will of a person, but nevertheless, the actual house that is the furthest of the person is in fact the closest to the will. Did I confuse you already? I confused you? Mm, or? Very confusing stuff. <laughs> Anyone else? Anyone else got it? Starting over. When you have a will, when you want to build a house, there is first in time and there is first in priority. So first in time would be to do the design. But first in priority would be to have the house. Although the house is built only 18 months later, the time doesn't make a difference or doesn't bend the priority. Not because the house is coming later on, someone may think, well, you know, the house is not as important as the design, design stage. Maybe the dis no one would argue that the design stage is more important because we did it right after we had the will. Everyone knows that soon after the will comes the design, but in priority, what, or, or in the will, or in, in the purpose, what is in a person's mind? The house, when it's actually built. The end product, the final product. Designing a house first, right after you get the will to do it, is putting the house priority first, because you need to design it to get to the house. So it's not putting it second priority to not do it first. Right. You are doing it first, you're designing it, so I don't understand. It's a good question. Let's, let's bring a different, not different, but also an idea that Hasid philosophy speaks a lot about. Do you want, you want your job? you want your job, like in general and also specifically, like 
you, your job, that what do you do? Something that you want? Yeah. Do I want to do it? Yeah. Yeah. You enjoy doing it? Yeah. We could say that for every type of job? No. No. So the job itself, it's something that people do or something that people want to do, but it's, it's external will as is in Hasidic philosophy. There's an internal will and there's external will. What's the, what's the, what's the, what's really why they go to work? What for? To make money. To make money. <laughs> to make money, right. So, yeah. so the make money is actually the, the will that they have. That's the priority. They have to work, but the work is necessarily for the money. Now, do they really want the money? Or they want what money brings about or what money could acquire? The latter. The latter. So it comes out that the money is also external will because you only want what money could acquire. Now, do you want the th stuff that you're buying or just you want to feel good? comes out that the stuff that you're buying it's only to make you feel good so you don't really want the money you don't really want the job you don't really want the stuff what you really want is to feel good yeah. so and we could and Hasidic philosophy takes it like uh, splits here and more and more and more until it gets to the core of a person so that's that's what it's all about you know why 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 are we work in the first place Torah is addressing the big questions not the questions that we could search on the internet. I mean, of course you can search Torah as well in the internet and it's a great resources. But, but the point is that Torah addresses, this is what Torah addresses. Also, and mainly. So it comes out that there's an external will and there's an internal will. There's something that you want and there's something that you really, really want. Um, and the same idea is when it comes to, when it comes to these powers or our ability at least, not only by God, but also by us. Malchus is the final product. It's like the house when it's built. So although it might come the furthest away from the top of the soul powers, from this ability to being transcending, yeah, Ketar, Ketar is the ability of transcending oneself, Malchus is totally the opposite, the other extreme. But nevertheless, Malchus is what validates the will. The same way as I'm only satisfied when I'm sitting in my house that is built, that is when I can be um, calm and resting. Until that house is built, now with supply chain and you know all of that, it's, it's a headache. So all of the steps in between, they might be closer to the source, to the will, to the beginning stage, but they're not necessarily higher or more important. And that's what happens as well in our, in, our, um, in, in our life, that we have all the abilities that we have. You know, there might be great abilities and you may be so, you know, so uh, great in all of the other areas, but if they're not actualized, so they're, you don't really validate them. Same happens with God. God has all this creation that he created. And, you know, you have these higher worlds and more spiritual worlds, these very sophisticated and, and um, 
complex spiritual experiences. But the question is, is that closer to God than this world? Anyone? If we said that the house is the final product and that's what really you know, makes the owner feel good, same, we apply the same to the creation of the world. We might have many worlds or many experiences that are purely holy and they're totally detached from this, the reality that we live in. But that's not the purpose of it. The purpose is not to be designing the house. The purpose is to build the house. The purpose is to take action. And that ability is in Malchus as well. The ability to take action, to bring up end result, a final product, for the application to be able to be useful. It's not about writing the code and putting it on the phone. It's for the application on the phone to be useful. That is the ability and the power of Malchus. I have a question. So is Malchus accumulation of all those other steps in a sense, or are those just leading the way to Malchus? So in a sense, it is like a, a end result. The combination of all of those together okay. bring about Malchus. But Malchus is the power. It doesn't have a specific character trait has the ability of bringing all together. Of course, at the end, all the powers work in, in, in one anatomy, um, not anatomy, in one um, organism. So they're not totally detached from each other. But at the end of the day, each one have a different purpose. Like one, it's one phone, you know, you have the screen and then you have the software inside. So the screen is part of the phone also. But without the screen, you're not gonna be able to appreciate any of the software. Okay. We're going to see forward, we're going to see as well in King David. Back to King David. That King David had this ability of being able to channel. We see in the way that he was recruited and the way that he was appointed as a king. Text number eight. Oh, before I, before I continue, this is a major change. This is a major, in text number seven, is a big and. Um, different perspective or perspective that Hasidic philosophy brings that it's, it's novelty for a lot of other, um, of course, religions, but even within Judaism, a lot of other um, non-Hasidic movements. And when it comes, to, when it comes to, to this world or the purpose of a person, is the purpose of us to be integrated in a world, in a physical world, or our purpose is to get rid of this world? In other words, is our purpose to bring, um, to bring the human being or to bring earth to heaven or to bring heaven to earth? That's going to be the difference. Most religions say that, you know, that everything in this world is, is, is something that needs to be separated from, you need to take distance, not integrated, not engage. When it comes to Judaism, it's not about bringing earth to heaven. It's the opposite. It's bringing heaven to earth. Is revealing how in this world is a godly world. How this world can be, not can be, how this world truly is a godly creation. And the purpose of it is to have, as we say in text number seven, the Holy One desired and a a bud for himself in the lower worlds. He wants to feel comfortable. He wants to feel at home in this physical world. He doesn't want to go away. He doesn't want to go to a hotel, five-star hotel, and be there comfortable. He wants to be in this world. That's the difference between a, 
between a, a house and a hotel is that usually at a hotel, you're doing something. In other words, you're traveling, you're on vacation, you're, you're doing something. That's why, that's the reason why people are at hotels. There's no reason why you're at your house. No one ever asks you, where are you? Oh, I'm at my house. Oh, while you're at your house, I'm at a house. This is where I am. This is where I belong. But if you're at a hotel, I'm at a, oh, where are you going? Where are you coming? You know, what hotel is it? You know, those questions are acceptable. Why? Because a house is a place where you are. That's it. That's the same feeling that God wants to have in this world. God doesn't want this world to be a place where he needs to be here or, you know, that there is a reason why he's here. He wants this world to be a, a house the same as we experience a house. And that is, as we mentioned, that is through, through doing acts of kindness and revealing godliness in this world. Okay, King David, text number eight. Me. You're David also? I am David also. There you go. Not more appropriate than you. <laughs> king David was shepherding his father's flocks when he was suddenly anointed king. Everyone said, a moment ago, he was a shepherd, and now he's a king. But he answered them saying, are you surprised about this? I'm even more surprised. But then the divine prophecy declared this was from God. Text number nine as well. I shall behave even more humbly than this, for I am lowly in my eyes. King, king David, that's was, his personality was the same. His personality was about being of channel, being of service. When he was appointed as king and people were asking, really, King David? He was like, oh, yeah, I have the same question. Really, me? I'm going to be the king? It was never about himself. And even later on, while, was he, a, while, while he was a king, he also had the same, even like years later, he also had the same attitude that for I'm lowly in my eyes. He didn't consider himself as a, as a something or as an entity for itself, and that's what brought the greatness. But the greatness was the ability to be of, of service and the ability to channel. And that brought about what we're going to see in text number 10. Jeffrey, you want to read? He went and found the altar upon which Adam had made offerings to God, and upon which Noah had made sacrifices, and upon which Abraham had sacrificed. Someone who has that attitude, it's going to get these results. The story in, in, in Tanakh says that King David, he was looking for a place where to buy, to buy a place where to build the, the temple. And he said that he eventually bought this, um, the, great, the, 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 the keep grains. Where we keep grains? Yeah, well, how do you call the place? Um, silos? Silos. He bought a silos from, from, forgot his name, and he eventually discovered that in that, the spot that he bought was actually had a historical spot that was where Noah brought the sacrifice and Avram brought the sacrifice um, when, when it comes to the Isaac's sacrifice, um, which at the end didn't happen. He brought an animal sacrifice. Nevertheless, that the... the personality of, of, of being of channel uncovers all of these great opportunities. If we're all about our specific, um, our specific soul powers and we only f 
focus on that, without the focus on what to bring to others or how do we channel this to others, so then it's the wrong focus. The focus needs to be on being able to channel all those, all those abilities, all those simple words, all those talents that we have, the talents and the things we like and our passion for passion about music should be you know, channeled in the proper way. If you're passionate about or we have talented in certain areas, it should be done in a proper way. That's why one of the reasons why charity is so fundamental in Jewish um, life, not only be, the reason why it became a Jewish value, not only because charity is about doing kindness, but just to, in really short, what the Zohar explains about charity is that what you're basically doing with charity is you're channeling all of your powers to something good. And what I mean with that is when you go to work, how many powers do you invest in your work? How much of yourself do you invest in your work? Jeffrey, how much of yourself do you invest in your work? Depends on the project. And a project that you really like and they pay a lot. Fully. Fully. So when you get that nice fat check, you basically... You know, even, even in physics, you have this concept that matter doesn't disappear. Matter becomes energy. That's, that's how it is. No, an energy becomes matter, but it's, it's not, you cannot get rid of matter. Matter is going to be there. You could transform the matter into energy. Same, same is with work or, or in this specific area. When we work, it's not that our work went to someone else. Our work now is in this fat check. Now, if we take from this money and we give it to charity, what we're doing again is taking from all of the powers that we invested in the money and we're channeling in a really direct way into something good, into something positive. So the quickest way, per se, the quickest way to elevate your, 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 the powers that you invested in business is through giving charity. That's why even according to philosophy, not even, but that's at the core why tzedakah and charity is really big in, in Judaism. Because it's the easiest way and the most fastest way to um, create impact and to elevate your energies. So that energy that you had in work and you invested in, in your job and invested in, in that project went into the check. From the check, went into charity. So you basically channeled from the beginning. Your work, you channeled into something positive. And... Um, that is the ability. That is if we focus on Malchus. Text number 11. Um, students, student page 208. This is about... Yeah, this is also about uh, King David. Um, that I want to read. Sure. He would gather large groups together on Shabbat place a lectern in the Beit Midrash, and then he would sit and explain the secrets of the Torah to the Jewish people, correct their errors, and reveal the deepest secrets of the Torah until he drew their hearts after the Torah. Yeah, and that is the, the if you ever want to, if you ever want to measure yourself, if you're, chan- if you're tapping into the power of Malchus or not, you should look at your actions. If your actions are very self-oriented, you could right away realize that they're not, you're not really tapping into the power of Malchus. But if you see that, you know, you've been volunteering lately, and you've been you have been giving more charity. So you could, you could measure it and you could see for yourself that you, powered, you tapped into the power of Malchus. Okay, um, 
I'm going to say it from the outside. Text number 12, 13. Text number 12 and 13. Um, Let's read it. Practically speaking, one of the areas that Malchus as well reflects itself is when it comes to speech. We're talking. Speech for itself is just a revelation or is a way to channel and to show what's really happening in your insight. So it's not about... No one really focuses on, on, on the words. But the words is a way to bring out an idea. That's what it is. And again, we see the same pattern we see regarding being able to channel. Because the word itself don't have any, any, any specific... Intrinsic. Yeah, maybe intrinsic, but the, the idea that the words bring about. What are, what, what, are, what are the words saying? What is coming out of those words? That's what really, um, that's the power of speech. So when it comes to Malchus, that's the Zohar also says that the Malchus, or that the Torah in general, is compared to the words. To um, Okay, so we see at text number 12. Yeah, Julia, I want to read Rabbi Hanina said, many things I learned from my teachers. I learned even more from my friends, but from my students I learned more than from all the others. This is because the teachings he received from his teachers were not yet clarified and lacked depth as yet. But when he presented the words to his students, he reached the depth of the wisdom inherent in them. And the same is true of the emotional qualities represented by the sixth zifro of Zahar on pen from Chesed to Yosod, Yosod, which are aroused through expressing them in the words of prayer. That's why it's very important. Yeah, we said that that we mentioned before that Malchus is represented or is connected. The priority of Malchus is the highest, is the closest to to Keter, is the closest to the highest level, not on a on a time line. But on a on a priority line, on a priority um, equation, and we see that Malchus also affects. We're going to see that this happens with speech as well. I jumped ahead before, but we see that the power of of the more you utilize this channel ability, the greater your inner powers become. So it's not only a total sum. Although that's what we said before, that it's the total sum of all the powers. But tapping into Malchus arouses the powers to become even stronger. As we see from here that Rabbi Chaim said, that although from the teachers you learned a lot, but when we, he had to be the one teaching, suddenly, you know, he had to think deeper. He had to, like, come up with a better understanding of the concept that he's teaching. And that's what we see in text 13 as well, that a lot of ideas in mind could be one, yeah, in a person's mind or in you know, a specific way, and it makes sense, but suddenly you need to write it down and you need to talk it over, they take a different shape. Suddenly there's a nuance, there's new understanding. And the reason for that is because, or the connection 
how, how talking, how speech has the ability to arouse something deeper is because in essence, or because in priorities, the speech, malchus, or the channeling power is connected to the highest deeper, the highest level in the person. So that is regarding positive speech, or speech in general, that arouses something in the inside. We're going to see in text number 14 that the, as well could be translated for the negative. Well, I want to read text number 14 and 15. Scripture spoke in a roundabout way and added eight extra letters rather than make a disparaging remark. Who is gossip? One who goes from person to person saying, this is what this person said and this is what I heard about this person. Even though these statements may be true, gossip still destroys the world. Far worse than this is the one who speaks negatively about his fellow, even though it is true. The very worst is the one who tells lies. Our sages said, speaking Lashonhara, negative tale-bearing gossiping is tantamount to hearsay. They said further, Lashonhara kills three, the one who says the one who says it, the one who accepts it, and the one about whom it is said. So text number 14, when the Torah is saying um, about an animal that is not pure, the Torah doesn't say an impure animal. Torah says, an animal that is not pure. The Torah goes out of its way. Every word in Torah is very precise. But nevertheless, the Torah gives us the lesson not to say an animal that is impure. Because speech is very, very powerful. The Torah went around. The Torah, I mean, added more words. And instead of saying a non-pure animal, said an animal, sorry, instead of saying an impure animal, said an animal that is not pure. So the adding of the words in the Torah to not mention impure, that itself gives us the lesson of how powerful our speech is. The speech at the end of the day, although it might be the, the channel, it might be just, not just, it might be the, the, the lowest of all of the, of, of all of the powers, maybe only a channeling. I'm, I'm only saying, you know, it's, it's true what I'm saying. It's not saying a lie. But nevertheless, it has a, as a, the, the ability or the power of the channeling is so in priority, so high, that it affects the inners of a person as well. I think, yeah, I think brevity is powerful, either in a negative or positive way. I think try, if you're trying to soften what you want to say, make, to making it take longer will do that. And if you want to say something that really hits someone positively, strongly, or negatively strongly, being concise is often the way to do it. So I think by adding, these, adding this stuff around, Instead of impure animal, saying a pure animal that is not pure, I think just in general, extending your language and repeating yourself just softens it. So. Right. So as long as so as long as we have the the power of speech, as long as we're aware of the power of speech, our language would be would be very different. What is interesting, what do you guys see about the last paragraph that we read? Our sages said that speaking Lashonara or negatively, negative tail-bearing gossiping, it's tantamount to heresy. But the last thing they said is they further say Lashonara kills three. The one who says, the one who accepts it, and the one about whom it is said. Any questions regarding that? Is it fair? Is it fair for the one who they're talking about? 
So these two people gossiping. Maybe they are wrongdoing, but the guy that they're talking about, what's his fault? He's not even in the conversation. I think it can depend. Um, if there's if there's truth to it. It is. So then. If it's something bad that that person's doing, then potentially. Also, when you're asking about fair, what does it mean by kills? Is that like a metaphorical? Like it kills them in the fact that their people are talking about them. Well, like it could hurt. It could them. kill him emotionally, but it's not like. A, or, or are you saying, or does it say that like, oh, they're being punished on some sort of spiritual plane? Right. Is it like? What's the what are you what are they, saying? What? It kills the person you're talking about in the way that it can it can kill or hurt their reputation. That's one of the explanations uh, that they so get. That's, that's, yeah. And then it kills. And then. And it's killing you because you're doing something wrong by gossiping. So the most literal explanation is like they, they're killing him because, because, uh, because his reputation. Now, Hasidic philosophy takes it a step deeper and says speech has its power. So when two people are talking gossip, gossip about, a, about a third one, we understand why the one's talking are you know are, are are getting killed or punished because they shouldn't be talking gossiping, mm-hmm. but the one that they're talking about, not only about the reputation, but the power of the words make an effect on that person also, even him not knowing that they're sp- talking about it. So there is a sense of some ethereal like punishment. I totally feel like it it messes with the energy. Like it's saying that there is some sort of negative energy. It's yeah, it's not that punishment. This person is being affected by for something that he is not. And what it is it, consistent with Malchus, with the, the the characteristic of Malchus, is that Malchus is shows off or brings about. When two people speak negative of someone, someone else, what they're doing is they are stimulating the negative in this other person. It's like Ein like. Whenever someone's talking negative, they, I say like, don't even, don't even mention it. Don't, don't put ein ra'a on it. Like, don't put the evil eye on it. You know, because I, I really do believe it. It stimulates the negative energy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, though, like, it does seem tantamount with like the idea of like justice. You know, with that more next plane justice that you know you're being punished for something you're not doing. How is that? justice or like you said fair which right you're so you're saying that even on a spiritual plane there are things that can happen to someone that's unfair and undeserving i don't know so we're getting into that, that, that whole other philosophical question if there is fairness that, in the world what you were sort of asking no but what i was asking was even even way simpler it's like why this guy that you're talking about is he getting is he getting affected or is he getting killed well you said it was what is it fair and and the words that it well, would it make sense? It's never, well, it's never fair. No, of course, it's not fair. And they shouldn't be talking, but it does make sense that this other person is getting killed as well. I mean, unless they're saying it in a way that it means different things for different people. Like, they're all being killed in different ways. No, I think that we could be consistent in one... I mean, there is one explanation, like what Jeffrey mentioned also, that the reputation is being killed. There's other things that are being affected, affected negatively. But if we just take it on a more simple level, that... Talking negatively, negatively stimulates negativity. That's what it is. So when it says that kills three, 
is those who are not talking, the one talking and listening, well, they are the one talking, engaging in, in negative about someone else, but that stimulates negativity. And the one who's being talked about as well stimulates negativity, even him not knowing that they're talking about him. I think nowadays, I don't know, every time someone has like a red ear, mm. they say they're talking about you. You guys heard that? No. No? You heard that? Mm. I don't know if it's true or Bubba Mises, but anyways, that's what, that's what in school they used to say. Someone is talking about you. Your ear is, re- is red. The Hasidic philosophy says speech is very power, powerful, and that's why we need to be not only careful about what we say, but even if for the negative works this way, so we're going to see how it works for the um, positive. So we're going to read text number 17. We're going to read, that's, we read before. Okay, text number 17. Um, who was reading? Molly? Who was reading? Zach? The essential goal is not only to nullify and negate the talk, uh, the talk of the wicked, but to transform the human power of speech. In place of the speech of negativity, there should be speech of holiness. Through good and holy talk, we reveal the hidden treasures of the soul. And 18 as well. If speaking about another's negative qualities has a negative effect on them, how much more so when one phrases with good qualities in another person? Does it have a positive effect on the person being spoken about? It, strength, it strengthens him and helps him helps him in his mission in life. When one makes an effort to see the good in another person and speak about his positive qualities and find things to praise him about, obviously without the intention to flatter, this itself brings out that person's innate goodness in a more revealed way with positive effects on that person fulfilling his or her duties in the world. So the saying that says, stones, what's the saying? Sticks and stones. Sticks and stones won't, won't break, break my bones, but it doesn't go according to Judaism. Words are very, very powerful, and words have the power to either bring negative about a, about a person or bring positive about a person. So our speech needs to be, um, number one, without you know, any foul speech. But not only that, but when we, when we talk about someone else, we should be aware that it's, it's being affected. The words are ne- uh, yeah, same we, we mentioned about you know, matter becoming energy. When you talk, the, the words don't just go into the into air. We don't see how that affects, but the effects happens. I mean, we could see when, when specifically people who went through uh, um, difficult childhoods and they were being said all the time, the, you're not capable or whatever they had, like being uh, ver- verbally abused, the, re- the effect is real. You know, the effect on this person is real. And the same is opposite. People who have been always told you are able to do it and encouraged and empowered. So they also saw the same effect. Is Lashon Hara like only bad talk about someone, or is that like talking, just general talking about someone? So Lashon Hara is is general talking about someone. Because I know gossip. my brother won't like it's like gossip is what you know I would say, but like he won't. If anyone else is brought up in a conversation, he'll like walk away. Or that's great because I guess it's sort of like it's not just talking bad or good, and it's just. 
talking about someone, you know, I guess it could lead to bad things or just different assumptions. This is what it is. It, it, it stimulates negativity. Even if you're praise, like praising someone, someone else? That stimulates positivity. Okay. okay. That's the power of speech. But could you argue that if you say something positive about someone, it could stimulate something negative if someone else... Mm. Jealousy. Jealousy, insecurity. So uh, there is this concept that is, is even more in halacha, that you need, need to be even more sensitive. And that is that if you know that this talk or this speech is going to affect something negative right away, so then you should abstain yourself from that as well. But that's like even uh, uh, fine print. Not not fine print, but that's, it's not like a, it's not so blunt because you're not saying something bad. The, the example that they bring is someone who says, um, oh, I went, to, uh, I went to eat by this, this and this, I don't know. I, I was hosted by this guy, he's such a nice guy. And then, and, then, and then this guy ends up having, you know, everyone wanting to come to his house. So although he was praising him, but the effect right away was something negative along those lines, meaning there is a concept of what you're saying. I'm not sure if I brought the correct example, but there is this concept that you're saying that if it's going to stimulate negative, it's going to impact negativity right away, maybe there's no point in saying it. Well, that's what reminds me of what Zach said is because if, even if it's positive or negative, I'll remove myself from the situation anyways, right? Yeah, even if it's like positive talking about someone can lead someone to say something that's negative. And well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, so even if something positive being said, it's like, let me remove myself even for the chance that there could be something negative spoken. Like, I just, I, I, I abstain from gossip. Good, bad. It's like, I, I remove myself. Uh-huh. Even but for what the about chance. praises? If but you're praising but, someone? But even also? for the chance that if there is something negative that comes out of it. Okay. I think that's an extra step of cautions. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the message is that the, that the speech is powerful in both ways. If you want to stimulate positivity in someone else, give them positive words. And on the same, um, not, not the flip coin, but Malchus, as we're going to see, is, we mentioned also, it's the Finnish product. And that represents action. That action at the end of the day is the end result of the whole entire, everything that proceeds. And for example, in, in our case, is we have Torah and we have the commandments. But if we don't take action, so then we're not really validating what the Torah is about. Um, and we see in text 20, Jenny, you want to read? Malchut is the tenth spherat, and it completes all of them for the flow of divine energy from the higher spheral streams through Malchut. And from it, it is drawn down into the worlds. Where it not, were it not for Malchut, there would be no flow to the world below from Zer Anpin, the sixth spheral from Chesed to Yasad. The reason that Malchut can be the completion and fulfillment from the other Sphero is that its root transcends even Chokhmah, for Malchut is rooted in Keter. Malchut, as we mentioned in the past, is the priority that it takes is all the way up together with Keter. Although it's the last Sphero, but it's all the way up by Keter, 
So that's why it's taking action is essential. Although the action might be the, you know, the furthest away from the philosophy, but the philosophy without action um, doesn't really um, come to life. Um, we see it in text 21 as well. Um, you want to read Genesis text 21? For the seventh day, God rested from all his work, which God created to do. So the words to do, that's what God is basically empowering us. The philosophy, God created the world, created the Torah, and everything boils down for us to do, for us to take action. Text 22. Um, Stella, you want to read? Not study, but action is the essential thing. And 23 as well. The purpose of creation is to make a dwelling place for God in this world, as we discussed above, which is achieved primarily through action in with the and in with the physical world. That is what Torah is about. Torah is knowledge. Torah is wisdom. We learn Torah. So Torah, learning Torah also has the, the needs to be done in a in a in a physical way and in an actional way. You know, we stimulate our brains and we think, we force our brains. Um, but the purpose and the end purpose of, of the Torah and the learning is to take action. If we don't take action, we don't bring alive what we learn. We need to bring alive what we learn, and that is through the, the not only the, that's through the power of Malchus, through the power of taking action, through the power of channeling everything that you know and to bring it alive. I, I always struggle with this because I agree with the Torah's idea about how language, I mean, I just think both, I think a lot about how powerful language is, but also how, in some senses, it doesn't really matter, it's all about what you do. I, I, guess, I guess it's just about different contexts, but I just, I just, I wonder if there's a, if there's a contradiction there between language being very powerful and, but action at the end of the day being, there might not be a contradiction, maybe it just depends on the context in which we're saying these two ideas, you know what I mean? So at the end of the day, I heard what you're saying, and speech and action are two ways for the human to express. There's three ways mainly that a human expresses, and that is thought, speech, and action. It, you know, we know ourselves. How, how do you know yourself? How do you know other people? There's three ways. Three ways to access them. Through their speech, through their thought, through the speech and their actions. Of course, thoughts are way more intimate because you cannot know what someone is thinking all the time unless he says something or he acts in a certain way. So then even sometimes people act in certain ways, they still don't know what they're thinking. Um, but those are three ways that consciously we get to know ourselves and we get to interact in the world. Yeah. So action and speech are kind of parallel. They, they're two ways of, yeah. and, and I say those two specifically, not thought because thought is very intimate. It, it not only it's intimate, but it's almost out of our, almost like by default, thought is going to be there. Instinctual. If you're alive, you're thinking. You cannot choose to not think. It's like very, very essential to the human being. It's working all the time. If you go to sleep, so you still have thoughts. You might be not aware of the thoughts. But speech and actions, we are... Um, we are in control to even turn them on or off. It's a way more powerful um, um, control that we have in our speech and action than we have in our thought. Although our thoughts are also in control, but the control more is what I'm thinking about, not if I'm thinking or not. So speech and actions are parallel, and that's why 
they both need to be guarded. They both need to be improperly channeled. Like when someone's speech differs from their actions, you know, it's hard to know, you know what to look at. Because I want to believe in the power of language and that it does reflect something intimate about how we think and feel and stuff. But also, I feel like at the end of the day, a lot of us say, well, if they don't act a certain way, then they don't really mean it. Right. But then it's I like if argue, you talk the talk, but do you walk the yeah, walk? Yeah, I can argue against that. I say sometimes people really feel things and say things that they really feel, but they can't make them actionable mm -hmm. because of whatever reason. But something, sometimes it's not true to say you don't mean it because you didn't act on it. So I just, I just, I just don't always know what to do. You know? Well, you know that, uh, that Hasidic philosophy refers to that as the narrowness of the neck. <laughs> you know, a lot of times we have all these thoughts in our minds, and we have all these ideas and these powers, but for that, for that to express, it's to go through, the, through our neck. Neck is narrower than the head and the body. A lot of stuff, a lot of ideas, they get stuck on the way. <laughs> now, it might seem funny, and you know, the, 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 the human body looks like that, but at the end of the day, why the human body looks like that? Who, who decided the design? So the human body didn't, didn't really, this idea about the narrowness of the neck doesn't originate from the shape of the body. But the body has this shape because human beings have this challenge of narrowness of neck. And speech and action, although, although speech is in the mouth, so I don't know if it really falls into that category, um, but for sure action. You know, a lot of times people talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. That's because there's a certain uh, dichotomy or a certain um, distance from the talk to the action. Okay. Um, but both are powerful and they both need to be properly used. 24 and 25, they're not only, yeah, that's, 24 is what Maimonides writes, that the whole entire world needs to be um, looked at as a scale and that every action that we do in the world matters. So that extra tefillin, that extra blessing, that extra prayer that we do, if, if speech is, is so powerful, so action way more, Text 25, it needs to be, you know, all the way down to, all the way down to the, we're gonna, let's, let's read it and let's finish off because these are the two last paragraphs from the, from the course. Okay, um, David, I'm going to read text 24 and, and Jeffrey 25. Yeah. Take um, a person must view the world as if it were a scale equally balanced. If he chooses to do a negative act, there will be negative repercussions. If he, choose, if he will choose to do a positive act, this, in, at this particular time, the scale will tilt towards redemption and salvation. Each, right, each action that we do needs to be looked as a decided, decisive action. It's not just like one more thing that I do, but this might be the thing that triggers the world for redemption. Now, it's a big pressure, but yeah, pressure is on. And text 25, Jeffrey. Just as the wisdom of a wise person is recognizable in his intellectual pursuits, so too should it be recognizable in his actions, the way he eats, and so forth. So not only speech, but even the action, and not only the action that, you know, that it's holy and pure, like when you go to pray, so then, or when you're learning, then you behave, but even our eating and our sleeping and the most mundane, um, the most mundane actions and most animalistic behaviors need to be infused as well with, um, with, need to be channeled. Those all need to be channeled and need to be mal tapped into the malthus of our behavior. It's not about the behavior itself, but it's what 
what we do or what the behavior brings about. And with this, with this idea of channeling, we finish the course of Kabbalah of character. We have, is, you guys have page 217? Yeah. Yeah, we started off speaking about the Keter, the why of my existence. That is the most essential, most transcendent power of a person. Then we narrow it down and we brought down that idea to that specific goal and strategies of how to apply that why. Then we went to the Chokhmah, which is the creative um, intelligence, unlimited potential, positive self-perception, the Bina, the attitude and disciplines of joyfulness, the perspectives, Chesed, learning to love, to be a friend, to be able to give, to be, of, to be, to be kind. And then Gvura is the anger, criticism and their transformation, specifically criticism of ourselves. Tiferet was the compassion and empathy. Having proper criticism, Chesed and Gvura brings compassion and brings a, uh, brings a beauty to the personality. Netzach is the endurance, overcoming obstacles, determination and perseverance. Hod is the recognition of gratitude. Yesod is relationships, charity and act of kindness, all about connecting, and Malchut, all of the above, you'll be missing the point if you think that the Kabbalah of character is for your own character. We refine character not to get to the top of the mountain, but to be able to pave the road to the top of the mountain. Whatever, that didn't work so far. So, but Malchus is the ability, not for myself, is not about to have and gather all the pieces and to be a perfect human being. It's more about how I'm able to apply all of this so I'm, so I'm, I'm able to fulfill my purpose. And with these ideas and these teachings of the Zohars, although they are more in a general way and we only tap into briefly into each one of the potentials, but we have the potentials. The good, the good news about it is that there's, these are not skills that we need to find somewhere else. We don't need to look for them. These are all within us. It's just a matter of being sensitive and tapping into it. So, l'chaim to everyone, and we should be able to become, a, should be able to be a mensch, to be real of a, of a human being. L'chaim. We're going to start. Yeah, I was just going to ask you what the next. The next course is going to be about prayer.